With each module's curriculum, the expertise of the Inner MBA faculty moves us forward in our journey to become more wise and compassionate at work. We've created this podcast platform so that these sessions are available to you not only on the learning platform, but also here in audio format. It's our hope that having the core curriculum available in this way will enable you to experience these teachings at your own pace and in the way that works best for you. everyone and welcome to the session. My name is Jacqueline Carter and it's an absolute privilege for me to be able to be here today with you talking about navigating difficult conversations. This as you know is one of the most important things for us as leaders is to be able to figure out how to be able to have good difficult conversations. And in this session today, I want to make this both interactive and also an opportunity for you to be able to learn from what we've done over the past many years in terms of our research, trying to understand how to be able to support leaders into being able to have good, difficult conversations. My plan for the session today is I want to start out with just looking at why are difficult conversations difficult? I want to share with you some insight from our research want to get into the barriers, then I want to look at specifically some strategies and a specific framework for having good, difficult conversations. And then also hopefully to be able to give you an assignment that I'll encourage you to do with your learning communities, and then see if there's some additional resources that we can do to follow up. But to start out with, I'd love for you to take an opportunity to just do a little bit of a reflection exercise. If you consider a time where a leader had to have a difficult conversation with you that went well, what would you say the leader did that made it go well? I'll just give you a chance to think about that. Maybe if you can think of some specific words, you know, what were some things that maybe qualities that that leader brought to the table that really helped to make that difficult conversation feel like a good difficult conversation? So I want you to hold that for a moment. Now let's look at the dark side. Let's see, you know, the same reflection exercise, but this time I'd love for you to bring to mind a difficult conversation with a leader that did not go well. And what did the leader do that made it go poorly? And again, maybe think of some qualities that the leader brought to the table that really didn't work for you. Now, the interesting thing about this exercise is that most of us would say, you know, a good difficult conversation is when, you know, even though it was a tough message, we felt heard, we felt cared for, we felt seen. The message was clear, the the communication was caring. We knew what was happening, we were able to then be able to figure out how to move forward. Whereas a bad difficult conversation is one where we felt not valued, where things weren't clear, where we left feeling confused, where we created more it created more anxiety for us and we didn't feel cared for. So the bottom line here is as we engage in this framework of looking at what does a good, difficult conversation, the essence is we all already intuitively know. We all know what a good, difficult conversation looks like, and we also all know what a not so good, difficult conversation looks like. So you could almost say, so then why is it not easy for us to be able to model what we know is good 
and avoid what we know is bad. And the reason is because, well, difficult conversations are difficult for two reasons. The first is because we don't want to hurt others. But the second reason, which is also so important for us, is that we don't want to hurt ourselves. And what we want to look at in this session today is how to be able to bring a sense of caring and compassion and wisdom to the table so that we can then navigate good, difficult conversations. Now, to be able to help us frame this up, I wanted to share with you some insights from our research, because before we dive into this topic and I share with you some specific tips and strategies, I want to inspire you, and especially as part of the Inner MBA, of what, we, what we've seen in terms of what helps leaders to be able to bring both wisdom and compassion to the table to help them to be able to navigate employee challenges like difficult conversations. Just to give you a little bit of context in terms of our research journey, we've interviewed over 350 executives from leading organizations like Cisco and Ikea and 3M and many more. We've also collected data in partnership with Harvard Business Review and Forbes. We collected over 1 million data points from 75,000 leaders with over 1,000 companies in 72 countries. And we also, to be able to bring some academic rigor to it, partnered with a number of academic partners from Harvard Business School, Columbia Business School, Berkeley Haas, the Rotman School of Management, as well as the Amsterdam Business School. So that's the background. Just wanted you to know that, that this does come with a lot of data behind it. And a key finding that we had, and I think this is both, both in the one hand intuitive, but also I think very, very inspiring, is that successful leadership today requires us to be able to do hard things, but do it in a human way. And what we mean by that is really looking at this idea of bringing wisdom to the table, about knowing the right thing to do and having the courage to do it, being able to bring candor and being able to be direct, to basically make the invisible visible. And at the same time, making sure we have that connection, you know, connecting with people, the empathy, being able to understand how people feel. And at the same time, having that compassion, which is really the intention and the willingness to be able to be of benefit. And what we found is that when leaders are able to be able to bring wisdom and compassion, to be able to do hard things, do them in a human way, bringing candor and compassion, confrontation and care, the amazing thing is that we see some really incredible results. Specifically, what we've seen when leaders are able to bring both wisdom and compassion to the table, and I want to be clear about these data findings, when they are able to bring wisdom and compassion to the table as seen in the eyes of their employees. This is quite interesting because for us, we may think that we're very wise and compassionate, but as we all know, these kinds of things are in the eyes of the beholder. So this is what we see in terms of when leaders are rated by their employees as being high on wisdom and high on compassion. What we see is in some cases, a two and a half times increase in terms of the employee experience from job satisfaction, a two times increase in org commitment, two times increase in job performance, decreased burnout, higher leader satisfaction and higher job engagement. And that's really the teal bars that you see on the graph here is where we see that multiplication benefit of when we're able to bring both wisdom and compassion to the table. Now, what's interesting about that is what we saw in our research is that the majority of leaders are actually out of sync with their people in terms of being able to bring compassion to the table, leading to negative in outcomes. 
And the good news is, so there are a number of leaders that are in sync. We call them we leaders. This is leaders that they think of themselves as being very compassionate and also their employees agree. They think they're also very wise and very compassionate. That's when we get all those good outcomes that I just shared. But 55% of of leaders that we assessed in our survey are out of sync. And what's interesting about this is we see two different aspects of being out of sync with our employees. One, as you can probably imagine, is what we call me leaders. And these are leaders that overestimate how compassionate they are, as opposed to how they are seen in the eyes of their employees. And what we see in this case, if I were to overestimate, I think I'm super compassionate and you guys all think I suck. What we see is there's negative impact on those followers, 32% higher risk of burnout, 37% less organization commitment, 27% less job satisfaction. But there's another really important way that we can be out of sync, and especially in these challenging times, and I know all of you are doing so much as part of your investment in this program to be able to really support you people. I know you care. And so this is really interesting for us also to look at in terms of the other aspect of how we can be out of sync with our employees. And we call this you leaders. And this is essentially when we underestimate how compassionate we are. So I essentially think I am not compassionate enough. And you guys are like, hey, Jacqueline, you got this. And what we see is when we underestimate how compassionate we are, we actually have negative impact on the leader themselves. So I have a higher risk, 18% higher risk of burnout. I have a 42% higher intention to quit and 10% increase in stress. So it's really important for us to not only be able to bring compassion to the table, but also make sure that we're putting our own oxygen mask on first, that we're not being so overly compassionate, that we're not actually making sure that we're taking care of ourselves, setting healthy boundaries. And that's really the wisdom aspect of making sure that the starting point of bringing wisdom and compassion to the table is having the wisdom to make sure that we're doing it in a balanced way where we're taking good care of ourselves. Now, just to give you some interesting other aspects of what we saw in the research, And I think these things might be helpful for you as not only for yourself, but also as you look to be able to bring wisdom and compassion into your organizations. One of the things that we saw is that climbing the corporate ladder can lead to leaders being perceived as being less compassionate. Now, just to help you navigate what you might be seeing here on the screen is that yellow dots are how the leaders rate themselves in terms of their wisdom and compassion, whereas the black dots are how the followers rate their leaders in terms of wisdom and compassion. What you can see here, I've circled the executive way over at above average wisdom. That's how leaders, executive leaders rate themselves and also pretty high on compassion. This is in contrast to how they are perceived by their followers. What you can see here is that followers rate executives as being the lowest in terms of compassion and actually not that high in terms of wisdom. And this is in stark contrast to what you can see here, the yellow dot way down at the bottom, where team leads rate themselves as the lowest in terms of wisdom and compassion. That actually makes sense in terms of relative to all others. Team leads we define as basically that first level leader, first promotion, first opportunity to be able to lead other people, recognize some humility here that they wouldn't see themselves as being the highest on wisdom or compassion. 
But what's interesting about this is how they are rated by their employees. They are rated as the highest in terms of compassion and actually pretty good in terms of wisdom. Now, one of the things that we looked at when we wanted to dive into this data a little bit further is why is this? One of the things that it makes sense, I mean, as a team lead, you have a much more opportunity to be able to have true connections with your people. You don't have a big span of control. And the truth is, is that if there's a really difficult decision, most of the time it is coming from it, from above. So you can actually say, you know, hey, I understand, but this is the way that we need to move forward. People know that you're not the one who's necessarily making all the difficult decisions, which is in contrast to executives where they are the ones that are ultimately accountable. And so it makes sense that people might not feel as connected to an executive as they would to a team lead. So on the one hand, this data makes sense. But on the other hand, what we found, and this was, I think, so important, is that what we saw when we interviewed leaders is that there was this sense that as we rise up in ranks, that we need to lose a little bit of that connection with our employees. The idea being that, you know what, I can't be everybody's best friend because I've got to make tough decisions. And this was really the false dichotomy that we saw is that leaders had this false idea that in order to be able to be an effective leader, they had to essentially close their heart. And this is exactly what we found in the data was not true. In fact, when leaders are able to bring that both compassion and wisdom, they are able to get those better outcomes that I just described. So a really interesting warning label here that goes, just because you're rising up in ranks does not mean that you need to be less compassionate. And in fact, if you can make sure that as you rise up in ranks, you maintain that level of compassion that you can experience as a team lead, you can have better outcomes for your people. Another aspect of the research that we thought was just kind of interesting that I wanted to share with you today is that there was a difference in terms of leaders in certain industries tending to overestimate their level of compassion and wisdom versus how they are perceived by their followers. Just to give you a sense here on this particular graph, you can see the teal shows how self-assessment of leaders in different industries, whereas the dark blue dotted again shows how followers rate them. Here I'm just highlighting to show the in consumer and retail, you can see the self-assessment of leaders. They see themselves as being very high in terms of compassion and very high in terms of wisdom, whereas they are not seen that way by their followers. And just another example of that, government employees, actually government leaders rate themselves as relatively low on wisdom and compassion, whereas they are seen by their followers as one of the highest. So just some interesting data. Hopefully that's a little bit inspiring. The other thing, though, that we wanted to share, and this was really interesting in our research, is when we started to look at gender differences. And what we found was that female leaders mostly underrate themselves in terms of wisdom and compassion, whereas male leaders mostly overrate themselves versus how they are perceived by their followers. Now, this is in line with many other research studies that shows that oftentimes women do generally underestimate their level of strength, their level of competence. But it also was really quite interesting how they were perceived by their followers, even when they themselves didn't see them as being able to bring wisdom and compassion to the table. In many instances, they were seen as being far superior at both wisdom and compassion than how they were seen by their male colleagues. Now, before all the men in the audience here start to maybe want to shut off the video and not listen to me any further, this was a course, this is averages, and this is looking at across the board. But one of the things that we just thought was really interesting about this data 
And looking at it from an organizational perspective is to really ensure that we're learning from each other, that we're seeing the opportunity to have inclusive and diverse conversations, to be able to bring different perspectives to the table. One of the things about specifically wisdom and compassion is that it is unique to each situation. It is unique to each individual. And we do need to really take in different perspectives to the table and to be able to learn from each other as we go on this journey. So that is what I wanted to share with you. Hopefully you found that a little bit inspiring in terms of some of the research. But what I wanna do next is to really start to look at the barriers and hopefully be able to help you start to understand maybe what holds you back from being able to have good, difficult conversations. But I think now is a good time for a stretch break. So let's take a little break. Please make sure that you take an opportunity to be able to take a little bit of self-care and I'll see you in a little bit. <music> 